0: Before we get into today's episode, if you're listening to this podcast and you don't know by now, we're here to tell you that hockey has returned to ESPN. The NHL season has started back up and that means you can stream your team's games on ESPN Plus from the Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning to the brand new Seattle Kraken. Subscribe to ESPN Plus so you don't miss a goal
1: guys, before we get into today's episode, we wanted to tell you about the first draft podcast with ESPN experts, Mel Kuyper Jr., Todd McShea, and Field Yates. These guys are keeping tabs on the latest in the NFL draft, and the show is now twice a week every Monday and Thursday. You can also check out Monday's show on YouTube. ESPN NHL podcast with Linda Cohn and Emily Kaplan.
0: It's been too long. Linda Cohn, Emily Kaplan, you're in the crease with us. Latest edition of this fabulous podcast. Um, Emily, trooper, warrior, a little bit under the weather, but she shows up because you know what? She's a hockey player, or at least in her fantasy mind. She covers hockey players. So I'll give you that. You're a trooper. Thanks for being here, Emily. I'd solo it and I'd be talking to myself.
1: There is no bigger compliment in the world than being called a hockey guy. Just like when I covered football, there was no bigger insult than being a jag, which is just a guy. You never want to be a jag or just a guy. But if you're a hockey guy, that means you show up when you're hurt. You play through it. You're consistent. And that's what I try to be for all of you. And Linda, I know you're a hockey guy, too. Yes, I am.
0: Uh, yes. First one, you said Jag. I thought you meant you said something against the Jacksonville Jaguars. You <laughs> well, you also it? don't want to be a Jaguar these days. No, no, you don't. Uh, even though they have Doug Peterson, who anyway, let's not care about the NFL right now. Uh, so anyway, uh, you know, b- big news as we speak. Uh, one of my all time favorites. I covered him when he was a New York Ranger, obviously Stanley Cup winner with the Tampa Bay Lightning. I'm talking about Marty St. Louis making big time news for the Montreal Canadiens hired by the Canadians. After Dominic Ducharme was fired, as we all expected, was coming soon with all the changes going on uh, with the Canadians. But Marty St. Louis, who last we saw, I believe, uh, was a consultant uh, with I'm not even sure. I think it's Columbus, Emily. They uh, and no head coaching experience except coaching his fabulous children, by the way, and has done a great job. But he has been hired. The Hockey Hall of Famer has been hired as the new head coach of the Montreal Canadiens.
1: I was going to say, Linda, no, the last we saw him was coaching Pee Wee. That's right. This is maybe the first time in NHL history that a Pee Wee coach has made the jump, all of those levels, to not only an NHL club, but an original six and very important club in the Montreal Canadiens. So this, to me, just screams of a situation like what we saw in Chicago, like what we saw in Vancouver, where the players were just showing up to the rink. And they couldn't put a smile on their face and they're frustrated and they're anxious and they're angry. And it's just not working. And that's translating on the ice where the Montreal Canadiens were the worst team in the National Hockey League this season. And every single time a team came and played Montreal, they were making themselves look like a bunch of Wayne Gretzky's out there. Like the New Jersey Devils came out there and throttled them. And that's when you know that you need to get a change. So. I see Martin St. Louis coming in and instilling some positivity. Of course, he doesn't have that experience. He's going to try to make the most of this opportunity. They're going to see it through for the rest of the season, reassess this offseason. But it's just, you know, Dominique Ducharme, it was the wrong move to give him that contract extension after what he did to take them to the Stanley Cup final. They were clearly led by Carey Price. There was clearly way more flaws on that team. And to give him a three-year deal while they're still paying Claude Julien, by the way. Um, those are the owner's mistakes that he's going to have to pay for.
0: Yeah. Let's the lot there to, to dive into. Uh, I never understood that contract extension for him. Not only that it was carry price leading to the final. It's just a crazy system, obviously mm-hmm. less games, all Canadian teams. They play. They were
1: the last team to make it into the bubble. They didn't even deserve to be there or the playoff yeah. field rather.
0: Ducharme, 23, 46 and 14 and 83 games over two seasons um, and, you, you know, you had mentioned, obviously, Montreal uh, playing um, the way they are playing and they got killed by the Devils recently. I cover that game where it was Arizona against Montreal. And yeah, to your point, I mean, the Coyotes look like world beaters. I mean, they look great and they were tr- those players were really you could just tell they were really trying to win. Montreal, I'm not so sure of except for I'm not going to paint them all with the same brush. But most of those players had just, you know, uh, you know, packed up and left. Uh, Marty St. Louis, for those who just landed on this planet, Hockey Hall of Famer, 16 seasons in the NHL, of course. Art Ross Trophy, scoring leader twice, winner of. And Hart Trophy, he won it once for NHL MVP. I mentioned the Stanley Cup with the Lightning. The Rangers, the Lightning, Calgary. I mean, this guy, we know this. He can't lace them up. He can't help them and score but I still think he probably could, you know, at least total maybe 50 points in an 82 game season, but the leadership quality and, you know, it's a different world now, Emily, right. Even in, in all of sports, um, you don't necessarily have to have to have the head coaching experience. You know, I mean, you look at the NFL, getting back to the NFL guys are hired with no previous head coaching experience. Sure. They're coordinators. Sure. They're, um, secondary coaches, quarterback coaches, but, um, There are intangibles, intangibles with Marty St. Louis uh, that, you know, the new GM, uh, Kent Hughes, believes he he will help guide this team back on track.
1: You know, Linda, I always say this and it was so pertinent when I covered the NFL, but. The head coaches, they always went for the hot coordinator, right? Who's running like the greatest offense, the most innovative offense this year? Who's the best defensive coordinator? And they always got hired. And I always thought that was the wrong approach because the head coach to me needs to be the CEO, the leader of men, the guy that can manage up to the GM and the ownership, but also manage down to the players. And the assistant coaches are the ones that you really need to be honing in on the X's and O's. And for Martin San louis like you mentioned, there's just those intangible leadership qualities. And one of the players, I bet, they really want him to tap into. And I don't say this just because they're short. But Cole Caulfield, because firstly, this is one of the greatest all-time short guy coaches, short player. Um, you know, we've redefined expectations for how tall you need to be in this league. Martin San Louis was ahead of his time. Cole Caulfield comes at this new time where, you know, these guys don't have to be over 5'7", five, 5'8". Five, they can just get around with their quickness and their skill. But when I think of Cole, I think of a guy that burst onto the scene last year in that playoff run and had so much positivity around him. Everyone wanted to root for this kid. He's just a natural scorer. It was amazing. And this year he comes for his full rookie season and it's just not going his way. And, you know, you can tell he's frustrated. He gets sent down to the AHL. I think a lot of the hate on social media from people I talked to really permeated with him in not a great way. It's not great for your mental health. He's a young impressionable player and who better to model your game after if you're Cole Caulfield, than Martin San Luis. So I'm wondering that one-on-one relationship specifically, if they're looking at of, Hey, let's reinstill some confidence in this kid because he's a bright part of our future. And we got to figure that Jeff Gordon
0: had a hand in this. Of course, it was Jeff Gordon uh, from the Rangers hired by Montreal. He uh, hired Kent Hughes as the GM. So, you know, there's something there because Marty St. Louis had kept a connection with um, the New York Rangers even after he left the team. Uh, so we wish him the best. Uh, there's a long way up. The other guy that he's probably going to help in touch, you mentioned Cole Caulfield. I got to meet Nick Suzuki. Uh, in Vegas, and we'll get to our Vegas stories in a bit, but I wanted to bring this up. He's another guy. He's another guy that's, you know not big in stature, but a leader and he's still young. I mean Nick Suzuki is still young, but you know they're not gonna find success without Nick Suzuki growing and prospering and maturing uh, as a player and as a leader. And Marty St Louis uh, will help that as well. I want to jump to another topic if you want to put a bow on Marty St. Louis right now, Emily because, Uh, Were you surprised when you heard Tuka Rask is now retiring after 15 seasons with the Boston Bruins? There was such hoopla and he attempted to come back from the hip surgery, tried it, got in a few games. But this caught me by surprise. I thought he was all in trying to make a comeback here.
1: He was all in. It was just his body that failed him or maybe, you know, what's so interesting to me is how long and deliberate. He was training with the team. We saw him at Bruins practices for months until he was ready to sign that PTO. And then he barely got any time in the AHL. They just thrust him into the NHL and they're like, go. And it was so clear once he got to the NHL that his body just wasn't the same. His movements weren't the same. A hip surgery is so significant to come back from, especially for a goalie. And he just got to the point where he realized, um, his body couldn't do it anymore. And it sucks because again, he put in all of that effort to try to make this last push. He could have just walked away, you know, a little more gracefully at the end of last year. Um, But I wonder, you know, in hindsight, thrusting him right into NHL action was the right move of course we'll never know and you know maybe there were reasons for it cap implications who's what say you um but the Bruins will have to move on without them I do know that they're probably going to be buyers at the deadline they're just one of those bubble teams right now the east does seem to be set I think they're going to try to get some scoring help but they were confident with the goalies that they started the season with and I'm assuming they're going to be confident with those two youngsters for the rest of the year
0: you know, some of the statements that Tuca made to me, Emily, was kind of like, uh, mm, interesting, because the one that stuck out for me uh, was the fact that um, he had acknowledged Tuca did that he wasn't going to be allowed to play to improve, get games in for the Bruins, see if it can, he can be better. You know, we talked about the hip surgery. It's tough on a goalie to come back from that. So he got the impression from the Bruins that they weren't going to be as patient with him and to play him in these games so he can get better and can he can get in top form. Because we're asked, to, the only way you can do it is by playing. And we're midway through the season. We don't have the luxury of throwing games away. Put me in there and try to figure it out. I need to be sharp every time I go out there. And that's my job to find it, I guess. So that was really a little bit, eh. you know, it's sad because, you know, that's what he's he didn't get the opportunity because they are fighting for a playoff spot. They're in a wild card position.
1: Yeah, it was a magical story. And you always want to, you know, have a go exactly as you written it. You know, star goalie joins midseason, helps turn things around. And not everything's a storybook ending. But what I know is that he is. One of the greatest goaltenders in that franchise's history. I I think he's a borderline Hall of Famer. I think he was much maligned throughout his career because Boston fans always needed a scapegoat and it was always blame Tuca. But if you look at the stats, he was damn consistent for them. Um, And an incredible quote, just a funny, funny guy. So um, we'll miss him. But Linda, as we wrap this up, I think we got to take our listeners inside our trip to Vegas because it was a unique experience. You and I got to spend three days together, three days around some of the best stars in the NHL. And when I think back on Vegas All-Star Weekend, I just think of a cathartic experience for so many. It felt like a really big return to normalcy, a celebration, a celebration of what's all good in the game right now, the skill, the young talent, and, like, that's exactly what the NHL needed.
0: Oh, yeah, it was great. I mean, I've been asked, I'm sure you have, but I've been asked what's the biggest takeaway and what did I like the most. Well, there's no question it was the skills competition breakaway challenge, uh, seeing our good friends, Trevor Zegers and Jack Hughes rise to the occasion. I just love the fact that I know they're young and it was their first time doing it, but still to have young guys so into creating ideas. And you can make a case for Alex to bring it. It's not like he's old and he did the whole hangover thing too, but, to ha- but Jack Hughes and Trevor Zegers and what they did, to have these ideas, like you can just picture, and they're buddies, you can just picture them saying, hey, I got this idea for the Breakaway
1: Challenge. They literally did, Linda. Yes. Not to interrupt, but Jack Hughes literally sent the NHL his own drawings that he drew of the box complete with dimensions. (laughs) I saw the drawings. I was told that like Jack Hughes would never talk to me again if I ever released them. Like he was very proprietary and a little embarrassed. I actually thought that he drew a great box, Um, but they were super invested in it. And the key line was they wanted to be there and they wanted to do it. And all we hear about the all-star game is the NHL, you know, convincing guys behind the scenes, back channeling, do this, do that, please show up. Um, but here were two guys that like could not be more thrilled and talking to Trevor the day before, like he was so nervous. I talked to him about his idea. He's like, do you think it's going to hit? Do you think the people are going to like it? He was Rob Linda. That was the most impressive hockey move I had ever seen period. Let alone the fact that he was blindfolded and had mascots throwing dodgeballs at him. I was so impressed with what Trevor did. I was also impressed, by the way, with Jack's of how well choreographed it was with that little boy who is the son of the devil's equipment manager. You could tell, and this is true, they practice every single day after practice for the last couple of weeks. And to share the spotlight with a young kid, I thought showed a sense of maturity on Jack Hughes's part. Um, and I was just so impressed by both of them.
0: Yeah, I mean I I I I ripped John Hamm on the air. Uh, in Sports Center and, and in the crease, because there is no way Alex Vitrangelo should have won. I ripped him, it was fraudulent, and uh, Trevor Zegers or Jack, you should have won.
1: Wait, one more, th- yeah, pausing there. I have receipts. I did a pregame interview with John Flaham. Yes, I am flexing. Yes, he was the nicest human being on earth and stood there like 10 to 15 minutes before we taped, but I asked him on air. What is your criteria going to be for the All-Star Skills Contest? Do you know what he said, Linda? What? I said, oh, I'm sure it's going to be creativity. You know, this is the madman guy. I'm going to vote for people I know. And the only person I know is Alex Petrangelo. He said that. You should have told on him before. You knew this a day
0: before, for God's sakes, or whatever. It was an an hour before, but I digress. Um, Listen, John Ham's great. I've talked to him multiple times, but uh, not there. So I ripped him. I ripped his decision-making. Uh, the NHL was the big winner um, by inviting both those guys to take part. Uh, what's unbelievable, what's really funny, we ran in the interview with AJ Malesko, our talented colleague. And at that time, she and both Jack and, and Z thought they won. Like one of them won and the other. And, they would, and and AJ was doing the post-game interview or the interview after that they were, uh, did their thing. And it seemed like they won. And That's then she was funny. told in her ear halfway through the interview, oh, I just found out that you didn't win. For some reason, Alex Petrangelo won. Yes. And that the looks on their faces were like, wait, what? <laughs>
1: really? Oh, my gosh. I was backstage during that. I missed that entire thing. That's hilarious.
0: You got to see that. It is hilarious. So we played that. That was a funny bit. Poor AJ. But- she was
1: having audio issues all night. Maybe they told her they didn't win and they, she couldn't hear them originally.
0: But who, who the heck knows, but, uh, they found out the hard way. And, uh, but I, like I said, the league's a big winner, uh, because, you know, I think for the casual sports fan, you know, and the ratings were really good for the skills for the, um, 18 to, you know, 40, whatever it is, uh, demographic male, especially, um, um, on ESPN. I thought that was really cool because I think the word of mouth is happening. I think little by little people will be like, who's this Zegers guy? And who's this Jack Hughes guy? And, you know, I got to give credit to not only, you know, obviously sit downs that you do, things I do, you're on the point, you're writing, you know, I'm on in the crease, I'm mentioning it, social media, we had him on the podcast, you know, you talk to him, you know, these kind of things little by little are helping to generate momentum for the casual sports fan who now know. They're like, oh, yeah, that's the guy with all the tricks. or that's the young guy, you know, that throws the stick in the crowd. And I'm with you. I know Frosty, uh, the equipment manager, when he was with the Florida Panthers, when I tried out for the Panthers, he was their equipment manager. He was he's great. And uh, he texted me that about his son Brecken. And Mm -hmm. uh, they obviously were choreographed because that's what I and Barry Melrose were most impressed with. The way they threw their sticks at the same time over the boards into the crowd. Plus, little Brecken has some nice skating moves. I mean, the kid can skate as he went to the net. It was exactly how Jack did it.
1: It was swaggy. He looked so swaggy. Um, you know, the thing you, you said about Jack and Trevor, it's so true. Their brand awareness It's growing and I feel like it's so organic. Um, You know, we're talking about them on ESPN the way we typically talk about NFL players and NBA players. And the reason is, is because they're comfortable putting themselves out there. And, you know, Trevor said it in the feature story that we did with him and he was like, I don't think guys are coming into the league and looking just to make it about themselves and change the game. Now I just feel comfortable and empowered just to show up as myself and be a little goofy and chat all the time and try all of these, you know, really crazy moves during games and it's accepted and organically just by being themselves, they're changing the game and making it a more comfortable place to show personality and authenticity. Um, and so I just think that's a really cool thing. Okay. Another competition that happened at skills. We'll talk about the outdoor Vegas stuff. They were awesome. You know, we previewed that with Patrick Burke, but fastest skater, Linda Jordan Cairo, what a coming out party for him. He's been a breakout star for St. Louis all year. He beats Connor, Connor McDavid handily. Now I talked about the guys that wanted to be there. The second Connor McDavid arrived, you could just tell he didn't want to be there. We were hearing rumors the night before that he told the NHL he was TBD on participating, maybe because of a knee injury. So perhaps, you know, the season that they're having, how tolling it, taxing it's been facing the media all the time then maybe he's nursing an injury then you're told you have to go to vegas and do all these things fastest skater is the one that the guys never want to do to begin with he has all this pressure of living up his name you know he's won the event so many times and he just flops
0: yeah i had a chance to sit down with him uh a funny story behind the scenes stuff but yeah share. tell me uh so one of our favorites and friends of the podcast steven stamkos right we, I was talking with Stephen about 15 minutes before we were going to sit down for stuff that we're going to use on the point at a later mm-hmm. date this month, right? That was what, um, what another one of my roles, is to sit down looking ahead, not to the All-Star weekend, but to the second half of the season, right? So Stephen and I were talking about the disappointment about the Olympics. I mean, he's still smarting over it, Emily. It's It really bothered him that he isn't there, okay? So we were talking about that, and I said, well, you know, at least you have the motivation of trying to win three Stanley Cups in a row. So you got that going for you, right? <laughs> you so, got something. Yeah. So we finally sit down and I thought, Emily, I was going to have at least like 15 minutes. At least that's what I was told, 10 to 15 minutes with each guy. Stephen sits down. So I thought I would kind of backtrack before looking ahead. Let's look back, you know, while heading into the season. I got maybe two and a half questions in and my producer, John, comes up to me. He's like, oh, Linda, we got to stop this.
1: No. Connor McDavid,
0: wait! Connor McDavid is outside the door. We told him we can only get him when he wants, basically when he's ready. And blah blah. I hate blah. these moments and, so. Awkward. And I'm like, I'm like, holy! Mo-. I'm like, Stephen, this is not my idea. And he's like, the greatest gentleman in human. He's like, he it's okay, it's all right. I get it. I'll get up. He was literally in that seat with the camera rolling. I'd say four minutes tops. Until Conor McDavid, now I'm not going to kill Conor. He's just led by the leash, right? Yeah. Where he's supposed to go at what time. I'm not killing Conor. But the point of the story is to bring out how great a human Stephen Stamkos continues to be and understanding, knowing that he's kicked out of the chair for (laughs) Conor McDavid to sit in it. And you're asking me, you're reading my mind, how was Conor McDavid, Linda? Well, I did manage to make him laugh twice. Which what did you say to make shock. him laugh? Well, I had to bring up something Leon Dreisaitl said
1: because okay. I talked
0: to Leon Dreisaitl earlier, and I said, "Tell me something about Connor. We have no idea." And kudos to Leo, which is the name Connor calls him. Calls him Leo. Uh, he says, "Well, he's a horrible soccer player," and he, uh, you know, Leo continues to give me details of how bad Connor McDavid is at soccer. And we all know, you know, they play with the ball before in the in the bowels Mm -hmm. of the stadium, right? And so that's what I brought that up to Connor. I said, listen, I go, I asked him the same question about Leo and a conor McDavid, typical Connor McDavid, Emily. He was like, so like didn't think of something funny, was very like structured. Oh, well, he's a great player. You know, he's telling me things I already know. Not that he didn't understand the question, I guess. The, I, things I don't know. Um, so then I said, well, you know what he said about you? That you're an awful soccer player. And then he laughed. <laughs> and then he said, he's wrong. He's lying. I'm very good <laughs> at soccer. And so that's a joke a from
1: Connor McDavid in this economy. So it's it, so the, that was kind of funny, the whole, the whole kind of thing. But uh, and the thing with Connor is I don't mean to be railing on him. It's just he doesn't seek the spotlight. And unfortunately or fortunately because of how gifted he is, it's been trailing him his entire life and he's just sick of it. And he goes through the motions, like you said, and he shows up where he needs to, and you give him a lot of credit for that because you know, he could be a lot more difficult about it, but he doesn't want to show off his personality and he has one. He just doesn't want to.
0: Yeah. I he definitely has one and he's just guarded. I don't think he does mean this intentionally. This guy is like he made captains at a young age. Um, mm-hmm. Very difficult. The pressures of being a captain of the Edmonton Oilers this year with all the challenges. I'm not giving him excuses, but um, two things. I just think it's in his nature and what he's been told how to deal with everything. And the media is just kind of have your guard up. Um, yeah. That's number one. And I went up to him again after. And I wanted to like kind of loosen them up too. And I just say, listen, you know, my son, Dan, went to Slippery Rock University. He and his buddies always would go and know you're playing at Erie. And one of his buddies knew you. His name was Chris and blah, blah, blah. And then he was like, oh, really? Yeah, I know Slippery Rock. And that's when I knew he's okay. I just think you cannot judge it, these players. And I've always said that no matter what sport I've covered, Emily. You know, people are quick to, first impression, oh, you know. No, you just got to understand, he might be having a crappy day. And you can make that case for any human as well. You can cross, you can pass somebody on the street who doesn't look your way or whatever, or does something stupid. And you have to like say, well, maybe that person's having a crappy day.
1: Okay, not to like totally like derail this conversation, but I think about that all the time when I have insecurities about being on TV because I get so insecure that anytime you turn on the TV and someone just starts talking, you make an instant judgment on them. You do like, right. like, or not you do. And to think that people do that about myself and Connor McDavid has been used to that his entire life. The second he yes. shows up, people already have preconceived notions and he knows it. And that's what's given him his hardened shell.
0: Yes. And, and, and one more thing, and I'll put a bow on this one is the fact that, Hey, Sidney Crosby is not an outgoing personality. Sidney Crosby has, you know, had to have his guard up from day one because he, like Connor, you know, was was going to be the next, the one, (laughs) you know, the man. But Sid has figured out a way to let a little of his personality out. But most of the time, he's very guarded. He's very structured. And I and and people still love Sid except most Ranger fans and most Flyer fans. But other than them,
1: uh, I love <laughs> Maybe Capitals fans. fans too.
0: Oh, yeah, maybe Capitals fans too, right? I think we got them all. Yeah, yeah. I missed him there. I wish he was there. I wish the NHL found something in the skills for him to do because I think he would have showed up. I really do. Oh, great point. That's a missed opportunity.
1: Okay, I want to talk about a couple other breakout stars for me of the weekend. Personality-wise, Timo Meyer Had no idea he was that funny and charming. Have you talked to him being in California? I just never had the opportunity to talk to him. I have not talked to him, but that is refreshing to hear. Just a smiley kid. He had jokes. He was chirping me. I was chirping him. I really like Timo Meier. Um, during the game, people always talk about John Gibson as having a surly personality. And not me. You know what? Okay, not you. <laughs> not anyone who listened to this and, and heard the story of him delivering his children on this very that's podcast right. and- with his own hands. But it's true. You know, he's been the guy that's just shouldered so much of just everything for the Ducks in the last couple of years, them allowing a million shots on net every game him having to save it. He goes to the post-game press conference, doesn't really show his personality. You see him in an event like this where he can kind of let some of that pressure away. And he was just enjoying himself. He said that the kids were back at home with a babysitter. He was here with his wife. I was talking to him on the bench after he got pulled after one of the periods. And he was just like, that was a lot more work than I thought it would be. Like he was just funny and engaging. So I just wanted to give a shout out to him. Um, Anyone else that surprised you?
0: Yeah. uh, Gibby's great. Like I've known him since, you know, for a long time, even before I moved out here and doing stuff for the ducks. And he's been carrying that weight for more than a couple of years. I mean, he's been there for a long time now, Um, but I'm glad for him. And I know you feel the same way that he has a team now that is a contending team and playoff bound barring anything bizarre. Um, that they're going to do it. Um, you know what? I had many, many stories. I, I love a funny story. I mean, I'm telling people this and, you know, it's funny. I, I need my daughter, Sammy, to remind me because I, I always come back from these things when I, I'm, I'm able to attend these things or sent to them with stories. And I'm like, Sammy, I, you're not going to believe this. Or Dan, you're not going to believe this. And they, and they turn to me and I'm like, you're the only one that doesn't believe this. We, you always come back with stories. You don't realize what an impact you have on people. Can and I guess the so,
1: story? Okay. Does it involve Mr. Zegers? That's the one. Oh my gosh. You have to share this story. It's so good. Okay.
0: Cause sometimes I have no perspective. I was going to
1: remind you to tell it if you didn't. So uh, again, New
0: Yorker, I'm a New Yorker, right? You know, that's what, you know, Zegers, they, you know, he's a hockey coach, by the way, obviously you know, coached his kid. So long story short, back when I was in the greatest shape of my life, went back in like 2014, 2013, 2015, 2016, I decided to train with a real hockey trainer, Ben Prentice, who is uh, legendary. I mean, Chris Kreider has been with him for years, Jonathan Quick. So long story short, I was there and I would travel an hour from where I live to just train with him twice a week. So back in the day when I was doing that, and when I mean back in the day, let's just say 2014, because I met Trevor Zegers' dad and his dad said, I can't believe I'm meeting you, Linda. I've been waiting for the moment where I can tell you this story and ask you if you remember. I go, what do you mean? And he says, well, it was back in 2014. I walked into Ben Prentice's facility. There you were training with him. And with me was Trevor and Spencer Knight. And they must have been like 15 years old because let's say 2014, like do the math. Maybe yeah, they were true. 14 or 13. I don't even know. They were young. And, right. they were very young. And Z, uh, Trevor Zegers, Mr. Zegers said he remembered me turning to Ben Prentice and saying, Ben, this is so cool. You're not only training like people like me, current NHL players in the off season, But these young guys who hope someday will be NHL players and wouldn't you know it, they are NHL players. Trevor Ziegris and Spencer Knight grew up to play in the NHL and they were just babies when I saw them. And Trevor Zegris's dad remembered word for word what I said to Ben Prentice. Who remembers that, Emily?
1: It was awesome. Gary Ziegris is the man. He's just, you know what, when like you got to, see him in a social situation as we did on thursday night and he was just kind and nice and just so supportive of your son his son you realize why trevor has the confidence that he is yes yes himself you know it's just because he's well adjusted that way but yeah we were there thursday night and i could tell we were at this big group dinner and i could tell i had met gary zekers before he was standing next to jack's dad by the way it was hilarious they're the best of friends and he was like yeah at you, like kind of starstruck, like, is that really Linda Cohn? So I decided to come introduce him. I don't know if you remember this, but I said, Gary, this is Linda Cohn."
0: You and I do remember you say doing that.
1: Yeah. He said, I have a story for you. And God, that is so- It was
0: classic. It was so classic. And yeah, I know you have met them and talked with them many times, but I finally met the parents. In all these years that I've been in this business, to me, it's not about awards or roles you have. It's about your relationships. People that you come across and you've made an impact with, or they remember you, or those conversations that you have had in social settings, that I've had in social settings, those are the things you're going to remember. Those are the things that matter. Not when the red light is on, not when the mic is on, not when the camera's rolling, because you don't get the real people when that happens, when you're interviewing them.
1: Linda, That was so profound. I think we need to end the podcast there.
0: Okay, sounds good. I like it. Ends it with a bow and an exclamation point. And again, you're a trooper.